A few weeks ago, I watched Uncorked, a refreshing Netflix drama directed by Prentice Penny. The film documents the hardships involved in running a family-owned business and the pressure some children face to carry on their family's legacy. What I loved most about the story is that it did not run away from its blackness, all the while leaving us with an authentic story about a young black man finding his place within his family's history and pursuing a field some deemed out of the box. I laughed, I cried, and I left the film with an overwhelming sense of hope for the many black and brown families figuring out how to carry their family trades into the future. This is the question we will explore with today's guest, Kelly Granger. The future Dr. Granger is a fourth generation dentist who comes from a family of risk takers and pioneers. In this episode, you will hear about Kelly's path to continuing her family's tradition as well as her struggles with self-doubt. We start the show with a story about Kelly's grandparents and a couple who puts all of our previous couple goals to shame. Enjoy the show. So she and my grandfather were both dental students at Howard University and they're practicing in Baltimore or something, or they're practicing in DC. I can't quite remember that like gray area there, but at a certain point, my grandfather was drafted to go to war. And while he was there, my grandmother applied to residency in New York, did her residency, and then opened an office in Glen Cove, where my, where my parents just moved from and where I was raised. While she was there, she essentially just wrote my grandfather a letter. Mm-hmm. I was like, by the way, I opened a new practice in Glen Cove, New York. Can't wait for you to join me. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I just, I, just uh, I, I come from a line of like very bold women on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of the perfect calculation for just not only her do, having the bravery to do that, yeah. but also my grandfather for having the humility to like follow his wife. Yep. Amazing. That's so true. And I know your dad, he has his own practice. Yes. And I think the circumstances which led him to open his own practice are incredible. So can you tell that story as well? Yes. So my father got from Howard Dental as well. And he was a, a general dentistry resident and graduated and became a practicing dentist. He was tapped to apply to the endo program at Columbia and applied, got in, and then graduated. He he finished requirements early, top of his class, and even though he had all these credentials and very good recommendations, none of the other dentists in Long Island, where we lived at the time, would hire him. Mm. They said that he would have a problem getting referrals, mm. and so he could he couldn't get some of his own at another office, so he opened his own, and. Now he has the largest privately owned specialty practice in the tri-state area, the last time I checked. And meeting your dad, he that is just, he's the most humble guy ever, you know? And I think that's just such a great story about how 
adversity can create opportunity. So often, I'll speak for myself, I don't think to just do it but do it on my own. You know, I I tend to st- stay in the conventional space and just not go after it. So I just love that your dad was like, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. I paid for way too much schooling (laughs) (laughs) to not figure it out. But but I I think that going back to what you said, not everything has to be opening a business or doing this huge thing. Like For example, you started this podcast. You had a dream. You thought about it. And you acted on it. Mm. There are small successes every day that that are stepping stones to getting where we want to go. So that's an act of bravery, and it's an act of bravery in itself. Mm. Well, thank you. Don't sell yourself short. Look at look for your accomplishments, not for your short, not for your shortcomings. Oh, thanks, Kelly. You're welcome. You've always been a source of. uh, I've always kind of turned to you for guidance. Okay, so (laughs) let's talk about how you got into medical school in the Mm -hmm. first place because you didn't take a conventional path. So you were working in D.C., correct me if I'm wrong, in Congress? Yes, I was was a Emerging Leaders intern for the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, Mm -hmm. and I was working in Congressman Charles Rangel's office. He was the former congressman of the 13th District in New York City, representing Harlem. Mm. Yeah, it was wonderful. I liked my experience there. In college, I majored in anthropology, and I had this dream of becoming a huge health policy badass, you know, changing the whole landscape. And then while I was working there, one day I was working there, and I was trying to learn more about what it would be what my day-to-day would be like when I had this huge title that I was dreaming of. Mm. I was talking to people and I realized that people who were in the position that I wanted to be in, they weren't doing what I wanted to be doing. Hmm. So they they had, they were accomplishing amazing things. But what I like so much about healthcare is the people. And what I saw, or what I guess I would be doing was writing papers and doing more analytical research, which I do enjoy, but I didn't feel as that would fulfill me. And so I was tip-tapping away on my computer one day, and I had a a little epiphany. I felt like, I think like my entire body shifted when it came to me. So what Oprah would call an aha moment? Yes, an aha <laughs> moment. It was my aha moment where I realized that I want to do dentistry. I really like working with my hands. I love talking to people. I like the idea of having patients for a long period of time, kind of like following them throughout their lives and like learning about them and their families and their jobs and just kind of forming connections every single day. That was forming connections and maintaining connections. That's, that's what gets me going. That's my, that's my, that's like my inspiration. And so I went back into my post-baccalaureate classes at Howard University and you know, it was hard because this was at the time when all my friends had graduated and they finally started having some money and people were traveling and going to dinner and doing all these really cool, fun things. And I was back at home or back in the library studying organic chemistry. And when people always asked me to go out and people would like kind of not like lightly tease me about working so hard and X, Y, and Z, but this was, I had finally found my intention. I had finally found but wanted to keep me going. And at that point, I couldn't be stopped. So did you find that you were running away from dentistry? 
before making that decision and coming to that moment? I think that might be one way of putting it. I I always suffered with imposter syndrome no matter where I was. And I had this really deep fear of people thinking that I was just where I was because of my history Mm. and not just because of how hard I worked. And I will, with full transparency, I am sure that my history and my family support gave me a huge leg up in getting to school, if not my academics, because I did did very well in my classes, but in the confidence support that I got. Mm. So I will say they helped me a lot with that. But I was running away from it because I wanted to carve my own path. Yeah. But... I want to carve my own path doing something that I loved, and I knew that I would love dentistry. Mm. Going off of that, you once told me that we cannot feel guilty for our reality. All we can do is use it to shape a better future. How do you think we can use Black Wealth to accomplish this goal with immediate communities? It's just of the utmost importance that, first of all, we look at our privilege straight in the face. Mm. We try to understand how we can use it to help others. We all have different things we can give back in different capacities. So for example, my mother runs a pipeline program out of the Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra University Medical School. And there she provides high achieving students from low socioeconomic backgrounds with an opportunity to um, to have like summer classes Mm -hmm. and expose them to healthcare fields. So as part of that, they give they have SAT classes. They have the students have the opportunity to interface with other minority dentists, doctors, public health professionals who look like them and who who can help inspire them and realize that, that anything is possible for them. Mm-hmm. They also are given a small stipend as part of that program so that it removes the kids' ability, the, the kids' need to work to support themselves and help support their family. Mm-hmm. And so not everything has to be as large as that, mm-hmm. but the, 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 the professionals coming in and working with the students, it only takes, it only takes one person to change someone's life. At the end of the day, all anybody, anybody wants is to be seen and to be heard mm-hmm. and to be truly seen and heard, not just looked at and listened to, mm-hmm. to true or to have someone truly look at them and absorb what they're saying and absorb what they're feeling and give them that confidence that they need to move forward. Mm. And so I think the best way to give back is just to really communicate with this person, like mm. give your whole self and communicate with the person and help bring them up. Mm. That's incredible. And do you think, you know, going off of that, do you feel that you are able to show up to work and to school every day as your authentic self? So it's been practice. Mm. There is a balance of your authentic self mm-hmm. and your professional self. A balance between your authentic self and your professional self. So I prof- my authentic self is pretty silly. Mm. And my professional self is still silly, <laughs> but not, not quite as dramatically because especially in the healthcare field, when you ha- when you are in charge of altering something on a person's body, mm. you need to make sure that they trust you. So even though I can talk about doing some kind of procedure and like make it sound easy and like, like it's not that big of a deal because all of them like do come a second, are coming a second nature to me as I practice. I always try to bring my most professional self to every encounter I have with my patients and my faculty. 
so that I can inspire the most trust. Mm. But in that and in like learning my professional self, I found more of my silly self within that field. And especially, especially helpful as I'm going with pediatric dentistry. I can now. I, you're perfect for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now you can be a bit more silly. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, favorite doctor used to come in with different animals on his stethoscope. Oh, so and cool. I always used to look for him like, okay, what is it going to be? Is it going to be a monkey? Is it gonna be... <laughs> it's right. like such a highlight. Um, <laughs> and do you think that your blackness has played a role in your leadership skills and how you practice medicine? So I think that I've always held myself to a very high standard because there aren't as many of us in the room. And that's changing mm-hmm. to my dental school's credit. But... Because I have struggled with imposter syndrome for so long, mm-hmm. I've always taken a lot of leadership roles and try to do them to the best of my ability, or always done them to the best of my ability, if not more, so that I can inspire trust. So how does how does imposter sy- syndrome come into play with leadership roles? Because I find that it actually prevents me from taking those roles. So how does it come in play in your life? So there are... I think everybody has this internal narrative of other people's opinions and what other people are thinking and saying about you. And you're like, oh, why does she think she deserves this? She X, Y, Z. Why does she, why why is she wearing that? Like, why is she running for this? Mm. And imposter syndrome is believing those thoughts and healthy leadership is realizing that other people's opinions are none of your business. If you want to do something and you think you're capable of doing it and it's within your it's within your comfort zone or even a little bit outside of your comfort zone, just do it and move forward because at the end of the day, no one else is really thinking about you like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's thinking about themselves and how they're going to move forward. And if they're thinking about you that much, like that sounds like that's their problem, not yours. Mm. And did you, just going back to your post back, did you feel that you were being almost judged for it? So I felt, I felt that way, mm-hmm. but if that was the reality, I don't know. And frankly, there was no reason to care. Mm-hmm. So at that time, it, it was holding me back, but that was dentistry was my goal. And my intention, and I was going to do whatever I had to do and work as hard as I needed to work so I can get in and so I can achieve my potential. It didn't matter what the like, proverbial Stacy from middle school <laughs> thought about me going back to do these classes because mm-hmm. she's not living my life. Mm-hmm. She was never living my life. And once I realized that, I felt like a whole new woman. Do you think that? those feelings and that mentality has helped with your mental and spiritual health? Oh, undoubtedly, yes. What holds people down, what what I believe holds people down the most is fear. And fear is totally natural and we're all afraid of something. But And fear comes in many different ways. But once you start to let go of your fear or to hold on to it and to pack it into healthy places... Then it's when you'll take off. That's when you'll become free. Has there been a moment recently where you let go of your fear? Um. Yeah. Well, coming on here. <laughs> I, frankly. <laughs> no, no. 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 It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, despite all of this talk, 
I get very nervous speaking in crowds mm. to people. It's just something that makes me very anxious. Always has. Um, one time in college, I gave a presentation and I almost threw up on the desk. I was so <laughs> nervous. I cried giving a presentation one time. Yeah, it's it was really <laughs> my life. But now look at you. You started a podcast. You know. <laughs> so on the public speaking front, this is something that I've struggled with my entire life. And instead of running from it, I knew that I know that one day I'm going to be very successful. So instead of running from public speaking, I decided to dive headfirst into public speaking and putting myself in these situations that were my literal nightmare. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but I, I kept doing it. It's like yeah, I yeah. um I gave a lecture on child abuse for, uh, for a pediatric dentistry lecture last year. Um, I took a public speaking class um, through the School of Engineering, a, a bioengineering at Columbia. Um, I taught a class for, I um, taught a class for Interprofessional Day. I just kept doing things to torture myself. Mm. And I didn't always do great at it, but I did it. Mm. And I got better and I'm getting better and I'm not quite great at it mm -hmm. yet. But how are you ever going to get great at anything if you don't try it? You can just sit and hopefully one day you're Oprah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, no way. Like, like Oprah worked for years before she before became she, Oprah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know if I want to be Oprah, but I'm going to be Kelly Granger and I need to practice. I need to embrace my fears and let go of some of them so I can become who I who I'm meant to become. What do you, do you have a mantra before you give these talks? Why not? Wow. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Why not me? Yeah. Yeah. I think for so long, it was, why me? Like, why would anyone listen to me? But really, I didn't think, why not me? Mm. What makes what makes me incapable of doing something? Nothing. You know, I, I can do anything I put my mind to it. I put my mind to it, and then people will just see how great I am. Mm. Tell me again your thoughts on some of the smartest people you know. No one as smart as you think they are. Nobody. So think of Newton's third law. Remember, every action has a reaction. Has equal and opposite reaction. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're close. No, yeah, you're right. It's, it's true. So you put, the amount of work you put into something is the amount of success you'll get out of it. And work and success are obviously very subjective terms. But the smartest people that you know are still just people. They just put a lot of work into learning something and to being confident about and to, a about learning something, and then b they put that bravado in their voice to make you want to listen to them. You have every right to be in the room as anyone else there does, if not more of a right. Mm. There was something. So you have really good one-liners. That's one thing about Kelly that <laughs> I love, and I actually wrote this in my planner. You told me that dedication is self-love. Yes. And how did you discover that during dental school? So I think my path to discovery for that started in college when I wasn't very dedicated and I wasn't loving myself very much. I had these dreams of where I wanted to go and I had these ideas of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't dedicating myself to them. I was spreading myself too thin and worried too much about other people's opinions who at the end of the day, frankly, didn't matter. As I've gotten older and been in professional school and been working really hard, I realized that all the work that I've invested into myself and my community 
has paid off. And I've never been happier. Mm. As hard as like as hard as you're working, even you're doing like these 13 hour days and you're reading and you're tired and you haven't seen your partner or your friends in however much time and you're basically miserable, you're still happy that you're pushing yourself as hard as you can. Can we talk about the Kelly who wasn't dedicated? Yeah. What advice would you give to young students listening now who are struggling with just staying motivated? Maybe they have this dream and it keeps, they're just finding a hard time putting in the time. They're finding a hard time putting in the time needed to make their goals happen. So I'd ask them, well, talking to younger me, Mm -hmm. I would tell myself to take a step back and really look at all the people in your life and all the things that you're doing and where all of your time is going. Mm. I, I felt, I remember feeling like I never had any time to do anything, but in hindsight, I'm not really sure what I was doing. There's not more time in the day than we believe. And so I think that if you kind of take a step back and triage your time and start to work and apply an intention to your time. So before there is an action, there is an intention. And so... To the kids listening these days, find your intention. Find what makes you going and pinpoint why that's your intention. Pinpoint, pinpoint why you want to go where you're going and then figure what you need to get there. Because if you're just working and floating through space, yeah, you might do well in your classes or you might not, but it's definitely nothing really truly motivating you. You know, other people's grades or people's opinions can only motivate you to a certain extent. You have to be working for yourself and you need to respect yourself and your time because at the end of the day, as much family and friends you have, you only have you. You have your one life. You have your short time. Make the most of it. Mm, that's great, Kelly. That's really great. And I think that's something that even adults need to remind themselves of. So often it's easy to just go home, watch TV, but if there's a goal you have, you just have to dedicate at least one hour. Yeah. That's what I've been telling myself. It's I'm like, okay, can I put one hour to this? I actually met, um, and I will find his name, but I can't remember it. Um, he wrote a book that's published that might even turn oh, into a book? movie. That book. Oh, yes. oh okay, cool. Yeah, I want to read that book. <laughs> But he told me, I just was so sick of not completing anything in my life Yeah, that it was making him crazy. So he just decided to go to a cafe every day after work for one hour Mm -hmm. and write. That's amazing. And he was like, for me, it was just putting it into making it a habit that really helped him get get there. So, And it's also like, it's not just putting in one hour of work to whatever goal you have. It's writing down your intentions because yes. when you write something down yes it becomes more real but we have a million thoughts swimming in our head per day but you only you only put so many words down on a piece of paper yes so those are the words that are probably most important to you and also when you write it down you can see what steps you need to take to get there right i think mapping it out. I actually shout out to Passion Planner. I am obsessed with my new planner. They um, have the first page is basically a mind map mm-hmm. and they give you five minutes to fill out all your goals for a lifetime. 
three years, one year, and three months. And you write that down and then you circle four goals. You circle a goal from each section Mm -hmm. and then you find a game changer goal. And then they actually make you put deadlines to the goals that you want to accomplish. And then you have to plug that into your planner and into your calendar. And you see, oh, wow, I didn't reach out to so-and-so. I didn't book this. Oh, I haven't researched that. And you just realize a month is actually not a lot of time. No. A day is really not a lot of time. (laughs) And a year goes by so quickly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It sounds so simple, but, but it's hard. It, it's so hard. <laughs> I've been telling my, uh, I've been telling myself, because you told me about this a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, Kelly, you can start journaling every day now or like once a week. And yeah. have I picked up a journal? No. No. But I'm going to. No, you check, Let's check in with each other. Yes, let's check in. Yeah, let's do that. I made, sorry guys. So you should know that my boyfriend David's in the room. So if I'm referring to him, it's David. (laughs) (laughs) And I made David get the passion planner. And it's been sitting with the cover, the wrap on it. And I'm just watching it. I'm like, when is he going to open this? (laughs) 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 I'm like, you have all these, you have, you need to get stuff done. And I know how helpful it is to write it down. Yeah. Actually, the first professional advice I ever got was whatever goals you have, you have to write it down. That's so smart. Yeah. I love that. And I didn't do it until I was 27, so. But you did it at 27, yeah, so. I guess. There you go. <laughs> okay, so switching gears a bit. One thing I admire about you is how you create community amongst your friends. You did that with me very quickly. I was a young freshman, so lost, and you just came up to me, and you were like, hey, how's how's your week going? You live in my room, right? You want to hang out? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> And I think it's really effortless. You have an effortless way about you and your friendships, even though I know you put a lot of time and and care into those relationships. It feels, talking to you sometimes feels like just coming home, which is not a lot of people have that. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. And so what the other thing I admire about you is that we're unfortunately living in a really divided time. And while we're in New York City and we do see this often, the reality of our country is that most people don't have friends who are of different cultures and races of them. And when I look at your friend group, it's a kaleidoscope. And I know part of that is because growing up, you know, you were one of the few kids of color in your school. So you learned very quickly that Katie is my friend and it's that simple. <laughs> Um, but how do you maintain that with other individuals who you may be their first black friend? Yeah. And I find that's actually fairly often than someone's first black friend. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's natural for people to gravitate towards people who look like them because you assume that they have a very similar background to you. Mm. And then once you get to know them, you realize that even if their background is a little different than yours, you still have a lot of similarities. And so if you just remove that first layer, you realize that you have a lot of similarities with a lot of people. Mm. We're all more alike than we are different. And on top of that, people are hungry for connection. They're hungry for a community. And so if you just give somebody yourself, you don't have to give them objects. You just give someone your ears and your time and your care and reach out to them 
but reach out to them when you think about them. That's mm. really all you have to do mm. to create, to kind of create those bonds. I, I just try to, like for me, I, I try to look at people and, and see them. Mm. And, you know, I might not always see them in the correct way, but at least I try because mm. I think that's a lot more than most people do. Yeah. I agree. Most people just think, oh, what will we have to talk about? Right. <laughs> Without but, trying to have the first conversation. Exactly. But we all have, I mean, most of us have like 10 fingers, 10 toes. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. we we have, we're all pretty similar. Just like some of us get sunburned, some of us don't. Mm-hmm. Can I ask how you navigate difficult conversations? Yeah. Okay. I think part of the reason that I have good friends is because the people that I keep close to me are the people who are willing to have difficult conversations. And the best way to do that I've found is to ask open-ended questions and then not get angry at responses. Even if responses aren't what you want to hear or what you think a person should think, like you you don't know why a person thinks that way. Mm. Instead of have a hard conversation, you need to challenge yourself to really listen to them and understand why they think that way. Mm-hmm. And so like, if this is something that you don't agree with, say, well, why do you think that? Why do you think this? Or well, what about this? And not in a divisive way, just like in a truly curious way, because that's the only way we're going to grow. Mm-hmm. You can't change someone's mind if you don't understand where the mechanisms of their mind start. Mm. When I speak about your wedding, and for those of you who do not know Kelly, Kelly is in an interracial marriage. And I've known both of them for quite some time. But what I was blown away by was the intimacy felt at your wedding, but also the genuine love felt between your family and Alex's family. You can tell, you, you know, we've been to weddings where... Families are, they're just putting on a good face. (laughs) But Alex's dad, your dad, they're friends. Like they hang out. They really like each other. You have a great relationship with Alex's mom. And this is so cliche, but I was sitting there crying and I'm like, this is what the future should be. (laughs) But can you tell me a little bit about your husband and how you guys met and what you admire the most about him? Okay. So my husband is quite literally the bee's knees. He's the best. <laughs> um, we were we met in class at Davidson. And what struck me about him was just how thoughtful and how intelligent he was. And that's still what strikes me about him today. There is never a time where he runs away from something, from something he's scared of. Mm. If he doesn't know the answer to something, he'll give you his thoughts on it. And then we'll follow up with you about something he's about the research that he's done. And it's just the most magical thing in a world full of people who always want to know everything and like have people think that they're really smart. He is like one of the few people that I genuinely know just generally do want to be right and are okay with being wrong Mm. on the road to becoming right. And he's just so brave and witty and hardworking. And willing to have those hard conversations. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to challenge people, especially when I was a little bit younger, I was more challenging. And he ended up 
challenging a lot of like the things that I thought about like race and race relationship and race relationship. Like he really puts a lot of like thought into things and then he puts a lot of thought into things and he's open to understanding like the complexities of a of interracial marriage. Mm-hmm. And his parents are the same way. They are so open and loving to me and we we have a very open, honest conversations and have questions and mm. it's really fun. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really fun. Like they, it's truly like we're so unbelievably blessed to have such a strong family unit mm-hmm. that's so full of love, and it's because we try not to be scared of the difficult, mm. of the difficult things in life. I think the one thing I admire most about Alex is his ability to be in a room, realize his privilege as a white man, step back, and create space for others. It's so silent, but so powerful. And I've seen him do that on multiple occasions. And even (laughs) he's very witty and very smart about (laughs) politics. And he let me just ramble about my emotions. And then he would just fill them in with facts. (laughs) (laughs) But now, like, I speak about because I'm like, well, this makes me feel like this. And he's like, and also because of X, Y, and Z policy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking, what? You're like, oh wow, yeah, uh huh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he listens. Mm. He listens. He's the best listener in like the history of listeners. It's mm. he well, he absorbs information and applies it, and like doesn't judge people. Yeah, it's the it's the sexiest thing in the entire world. Oh yeah, I know. Sorry. It's just, no, like, don't uh, no, it's amazing. <laughs> like he's it, he just blows my mind mm. every single day. Even like eight years in, which like. Still early, but yeah, I don't know. On the perspective, yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, like, like proportionally to where we are in our life, it's pretty short. Yeah, and pretty long. And every day, I just think he is the smartest, most thoughtful man. And I'm just like so thrilled that I get to be with him. So, as a married woman, can you give me some relationship advice? Yes. Best relationship advice I ever got was never listen to anybody else's relationship advice. Wow. Yeah, every couple is different. None of us, there's nothing that, it's like, we all operate in different ways. You know, something that's outrageous to me might be fine to you and vice versa. And so you know what makes your relationship tick. You know what makes you happy with what things you can deal with, things you can't deal with. And so you know, don't listen to anyone else. Listen to yourself. You know yourself the best. Mm. Okay, so my final question for you is, what do you think the future you will be most proud of when looking back at this moment in your life? I think the future me will be most proud of the community that I've built with my friends and the work and the balance of how hard I've been working in school and with my patients and how hard I work to maintain my friendships to make everyone feel connected to the people around them. Mm. Well, thank you, Kelly, so much for joining me today. Thank you, Taylor. For facing your fear. Yay! I had no idea. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's just another testament to how much your friendships mean to you, that you put yourself in this position mm-hmm. for you me. mean the world to me. Oh, thank I love you so Kelly. much. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed that episode... Please do me a huge favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you have any questions or comments about the show, 
please feel free to hit me up at the look back podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And until then, have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Bye.